You know, that's, I don't know if you guys knew that or not, but that's my niece. 
Let me tell you something, Brooke. I was uh, praying for you this morning while I was even getting ready, and uh, I haven't heard you sing before, and uh, that was pretty amazing. Um, and, and we're a small church and everything else like that, but God is very profound and mighty to save. And uh, when you proclaim something, I want to say to you, Brooke, this today from the Lord, that when you speak, people will listen. And you have their attention. It's not just a pretty voice. It's God's voice proclaiming through you. So whether you sing or whether you speak, you have people's attention in the name of Jesus. Let's pray over her today. Father, I thank you that right now we're a captured audience. And God, I thank you right now that you have put in her spirit a voice and a call. And Lord, I thank you that as she develops in you, that you have made her a mighty warrior, not tomorrow, but a mighty warrior right now. And that, Lord Jesus, demonic strongholds are broken because of the voice of the spirit in her. And God, I thank you for that, that people will have attention lock, stock, and barrel on her because of the voice of God in and through her. And we declare that in the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said. Amen. Well, what fun. What fun. Um, Best part of the month is uh, Communion Sunday. And before the kids go downstairs, we want to have everyone be able to celebrate Communion Sunday. If we could have our elders come up and we can start passing out the bread and the wine or the fake wine. this out, I wanted you to uh, understand one thing today. As we had that beautiful, beautiful worship service and the Holy Spirit's presence is very profound here. And Jesus is mighty to save. This represents his blood and his body. And I want you to know that God is healing. He doesn't heal. He is healing. God is deliverance. He doesn't deliver, but he's the deliverer. God is a forgiving God, a loving God. By the way, if you've needed any forgiveness today, you don't have to shout amen, but thank God for forgiveness every day of my life. Today, you don't come to God and say, I'm going to get cleaned up, and then God will accept me. You come to God right now in this moment with all the messy situations and all the mishaps and all the misfires and miscues, and you say, God, thank you that you take me the way I am and use me, and God, do great things in me. But I want you to know that Jesus said, when he said, do this in remembrance of me, as often as you do it, I want you to think of the power of the cross in every moment where you think your failure has completely ruined your life. You think of the power of the cross when you feel like physically you can't go through another day and you say, God, it's through Christ where I can do all things. You look at the body, and here's the greater thing on the back side of it is the resurrection. This communion would actually mean nothing if there was no resurrection. If Jesus stayed on the cross or if he died and we never heard the heroic story that he did, as good of a man he was, as in as great as the miracles, if there was no resurrection, we might as well close the front door and back door and never have Turning Point meet again because what we're meeting for is absolutely worthless. Folks, you have the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ living in and through you. And I wanted us to take just a few moments. If you could just close your eyes with me. I want you to think about all that Jesus does and all that he is to you in your life. Maybe today you need to embrace forgiveness for something. Maybe today you need to embrace deliverance. Maybe today you've had a hard time physically with things and you even need to give physically things up in your body to God and say, God, I trust you with this. But whatever it is today, know this, that it's the power of God unto salvation, and it's a beautiful thing. 
shall we partake of his body and his blood together? Father, we thank you today for this morning. What a special time we have together here in this house to do these things in remembrance of you. We thank you for the price that you paid, Father. Thank you that God, you who knew no sin, became sin for us. And thank you, God, that you never gave up. And the many times and opportunities where you could have been presented with another option, you said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. God, you went all the way to the cross. And thank you for the power demonstrated in the resurrection where you said, death, oh death, where is your sting? And that we have eternal life through Jesus Christ. And that today, all pain and all sorrow, sins, past, shame, guilt, fear, depression, worry, doubt, all is extinguished with the light of Jesus Christ. At the very mention of your name, demons flee. The name above every other name, we declare, Jesus, every knee shall bow, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we today declare that you are Lord of our lives. As we partake of communion, Father, we declare that you are Lord of our homes and that you're Lord of our jobs and you're Lord of our problems. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Well, young people, I think you're having fun down there too today. I think Miss Page has got an awesome day for you guys if you guys want to head downstairs. Don't you love it when Christ arrives and does dramatic transformation? Anybody ever have a dramatic thing happen in your life as a result of Jesus Christ? Oh my goodness, we could sit here and tell the stories for hours and hours about what God has done and who He is. Um, what a beautiful thing. Turn real quick to Romans chapter 1, verse 16. By the way, before we start uh, getting diving into this, make sure you vote on Tuesday and vote with your conscience with the Bible in, hand, in mind. Amen? If you don't vote, don't complain. If you sit on your thumbs, don't complain to me. So make sure you vote on Tuesday. It's your God-given right that people fought for for you. So, amen. Yeah. Okay. Well, see, and I should have. I'm going to be one of those guys trying to race in there before five or something. But anyway, but uh, that's so great. Thank God we live in a free country where we can vote. But uh, Romans chapter 1, verses uh, uh, 16 says, For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. Isn't it good news? It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. I wanted us to think about some things about our response to God. Because God's done everything, but how many know we respond to God? God declared, whom shall I send? And the prophet said, here I am, Lord, send me. It was a clarion call saying, whom shall I send? And he said, here I am, Lord, send me. I want us to talk about three things today. Number one, stretch yourself. It's going to be three S's. So uh, stretch yourself, stay in his presence, and solve some problems. And uh, first things first in stretching yourself, we often think God puts us where we feel most comfortable, but oftentimes he puts us in the places where we feel most uncomfortable. I, I, one of the things that we kind of, you develop in your religiosity or your spirituality, if you will, at churches, is you have these great little sophisticated prayers like, Lord, we just beseech thee for thine willis. Your will for our lives. We don't know what it would be, but we thank God to provide in every way that you can. Amen. 
And then provision doesn't come, and what do we do? We go sit back on our butts. Because God must not have provided. I was listening to a writer once, Eric Manis, he was talking about this lady that came into his church, and she said, well, we felt called to become missionaries, but the finances didn't come through, so it must not be God's will for us to be missionaries. Now that sounds really good and clean, doesn't it? And simple, because God's simple, isn't he? No, no, let me tell you something. God is unexplainable and extremely mysterious. Let me tell you what might just happen to you and for you if God wants to stretch you. Turn somewhere and say, God might want to stretch you today. Because that's what God's going to do. He's going to stretch us out of ourselves and out of our little context. And so we say, God, we pray provision, and provision doesn't come. And we think, well, God's hand must not be on it. See, there's no blessing there, brother. Well, let me tell you something might happen. You might have to get gritty and go after it. How many know that you got to work to get paid? That's just one of those things. There's this exchange that you get involved, that you work, and you go after it, and you start knocking on doors and doing things. I kind of correlate this in the business world. Folks, if we uh, treated our business life like sometimes when we treat our spiritual life, our doors of our shops would close everywhere. Why even advertise? Because it's not God's will for people to come into my house. Why am I even preaching? God's going to just save them anyways, right? That's all those crazy Calvinists believe anyways. God already knows, brother. So let's quit preaching then. Because it's God's will that everyone be saved. He wishes that none should perish. So that means I have to get off my duff. And then I have to go out and find creative ways to go talk to my neighbor. Well, we don't have anything in common. Well, you better find something. Because you do have something in common. You're just too lazy about it. You don't want to be stretched. I don't want to be stretched. I don't want to be stretched. Who likes exercise in this place anyways? He puts you in uncharted territories. You might have to go find that way to get on that missions trip. You might have to fund it yourself. Heaven forbid you do that. Not everybody's responsibility. Make sure you get to Africa. You go to Africa if you want to go to Africa. By the way, I'm excited. My demeanor is good. I'm really honest. We're all good. Eugene Peterson writes, My job is not to solve people's problems or make them happy but to help them to see the grace that is operating in their lives. It's hard to do because our whole culture is going the other direction, saying that if you're smart enough and get the right kind of help, you can solve all your problems. And that's how we treat the gospel. We just think this gospel is some kind of vending machine option where I'm just here as a pastor to make you happy and make you feel better. Folks, my goal in life is not to make you happy, but to have you fall in love with Jesus Christ. A case of beer in a football game can make you happy. But Christ will change your life. And the world teaches us this as far as stretching ourselves. The right kind of help. You can solve all your life problems. By the way, you might leave this earth. You might not live another ten years, five years, five days. But when you leave this earth, you might not have all of your problems solved. Can I get a hearty amen there? My goal in my life right now is not to make sure all my problems get solved. I might have more problems compound, more problems. I might have seasons of grace. I might have seasons where I get into a situation where it's tough. But God is the same. God is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And He wants to stretch me, to grow me, to cause me to fall more and more love with Him. Do you suppose God wants me to be... Uh, in a way that does not involve changing... Oh, here we go. This was a great little part for him. Do you suppose God wants to be with me in a way that does not involve changing my spouse or my kids, but in changing me and doing something in my life that maybe I could never experience without this particular pain and suffering? You know, all of our prayers about stretching is, Lord, you stretch that guy next to me. You stretch that person. I've been stretched enough. Example I wanted to look at is Luke chapter 5. Let's look there real quick. Let's see how God stretches us. I love this story. I was singing it in the shower the other day. I told you God shows up in the shower with me. It's the only place where my mind is at rest. 
and I'm focused. The first disciples, they were out fishing and they thought they knew and they didn't need any stretching. They thought they had been stretched enough. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed into him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping in one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. And so he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets and catch some fish. Now my dad taught me early on in life that fishing is not necessarily catching, it's more fishing. And that's the truth. Here in this moment, it's the complete opposite with God. He said, now, let down your nets and catch some fish. And Peter, Simon, was in a situation where he's like, Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners to the other boats, and soon both boats were filled with fish on the verge of sinking. How many know that's the God we serve today? God just doesn't bring you a cute little fish to take a picture with. He's almost sinking your boats. You're so overwhelmed with the blessing of it. And when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I am too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the number of fish he had caught. As were the others with him, his partners James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. And Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid, from now on you will be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and they followed Jesus. What an amazing sight here in this moment. When we come to Christ, we give him our all. We don't give him portions of Steve Lapp. We don't give him portions of our heart. We give him our all and we follow after God whatever he calls us to do. And by the way, it doesn't have to do anything with your giftedness or what you're good at and what you're not good at. Right, Sandra? That will sip right into your 24 people up here. God is looking for people to jump in and say, learn of me. Turn real quick to Hosea chapter 6, verse 3, to learn of him. He told him to go out deeper, by the way. In your life with Christ, you're never in the shallows. God will always take you to a place of not knowing. He will always take you to a place you've never been before, never seen before, that you can't express with your own mind or heart. Hosea 6 verse 3 says, Oh, that we might know the Lord. Let us press on to know Him. He will respond to us as surely as the arrival of dawn or the coming of rains in the early spring. He said, oh, that we might know the Lord. Folks, I want to tell you today, if you don't know much about the Lord, if you call upon the Lord, you will be saved. God said this, if you want wisdom, he said, ask for it and I'll give you wisdom. If you want the blessing of God on your mind, say, God, I need you to bless me right now. We make it too complex in religious circles. We think we've got to complete the six-week course. Or we've got to do this this way. Or make sure that we've tied four weeks in a row. God wants to take care of you now. One writer described the Christian version. This is where we all are at in America. By the way, when other leaders of countries come to our American churches, do you know they kind of are baffled at our Christian experience. They're not looking for us to be the model of the world when people come from other countries. They're the example, not us. They're not looking for help from the Americans in the sense of giving us their help. But they don't want our gospel. I don't have anything to give the people in China. I need to be taught from them. And we think, in our American gospel, that if we throw money, then that will be the answer. This is not the stretching I'm talking about, folks. We have given enough money, we've given enough sacrifices, and God wants us to be stretched in our soul and our hearts and saying, God, at the very core and bones of my being, God, make this faith real to me. Stretch me that I might know you. One writer describes the Christian version of superficial religion this way. You 
Seek to be godly by submitting yourself to external rules and regulations and by conforming to behavior patterns imposed upon you by a particular Christian society that you have chosen and which you hope to be found acceptable. And you will in this way perpetuate the pagan habit of practicing religion and the energy of the flesh. And the very pursuit of righteousness commit idolatry and honoring Christianity more than you do Christ. Have we accepted a pagan habit of religious tradition more than the experience of knowing Christ and the power of His resurrection? Have we succumbed to the idea that our man-made traditions and the way we've grouped our little special churches and our little special things we do so that we can be acceptable to those around us and yet we're not acceptable to God because we haven't given God our whole heart. Accepting a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. I don't want Turning Point Church and its people to be filled with a form of godliness or religiosity. I want people white, hot, on fire for Jesus Christ. Not perfect people. I want people coming in here saying, I need more of God because of these problems. I need to be led by God. I need to go after Him. Has anybody seen any leader in this Bible that God developed that didn't have some major flaws in them? Can you tell me who they are? And I'd love to meet them. There isn't one. Why do you think you can be that perfect person? God chooses weak, broken vessels. I don't want superficial religion. I want to learn of Jesus Christ. In defiance of God's word and God's mind and God's will and God's judgment, men and women everywhere are prepared to dedicate to God what God condemns, the energy of the flesh. There is nothing quite so nauseating or pathetic as the flesh trying to be holy. The flesh trying to be holy? Those who mind the things of the flesh mind the things of the flesh. And those who mind the things of the Spirit, they mind the things of the Spirit. Many times in our Christianity, in our own religious patterns, we're more fleshly minded. I'm guilty of it as the next person. And it takes everything in your heart and mind and soul to keep your eye fixed on the one thing. And that's bringing honor and glory to Jesus Christ. Turn real quick to Ezekiel chapter 36. Ezekiel chapter 36 verses 35. This is the idea of that stretching in our heart. And we all need this. It was funny as I was... Worshipping today really wasn't hard to worship today, was it? As I was worshipping today, there was times where my hand was raised, but the whole time I had my symbolic, I had my right hand over my heart. And I said, Lord, creating me a clean heart. I put my hand over my heart, and I couldn't raise my hand. I had to leave it over my chest. Lord, bring healing to my heart. Give me a heart. Give me the heart. Give me a heart. Give me a heart. And I love what this verse of Scripture says. It's prophetic. And this is what Jesus does on the cross. And then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away, and you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart. And I will put a new spirit in you. And I will take you out of the stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey all my regulations. Isn't it funny he doesn't address commands and regulations till after the clean heart? He doesn't say, follow my decrees and commands and I'll give you a clean heart. He says, I'm going to give you a clean heart and then afterwards you will be able to follow my commands and my decrees because those who love me, obey me. I can't love God on my own power. I can't love God with my own flesh. 
I can't love God in my own strength. I need God's very strength to love Him in the first place. How many need a heart of stone given into a heart of flesh? Our hearts are cold and they're calculating. They're stubborn. David Platt writes, Superficial religion involves a counterfeit Christian life that consists of nothing more than truths to believe and things to do. And it misses the essence of what it means to follow Jesus. Supernatural regeneration, on the other hand, involves an authentic Christian life that has been awakened by the Spirit, truth, love, passion, power, and purpose of Jesus. I love that. The, the superficial religion gets you into a place of nothing more than truths to believe. Well, there's a million and a half cults out there have truths to believe. But I wasn't saved by truths today. I was saved by Jesus Christ. Now, truths are great, but Jesus said, I am the way, I am, and I am the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So we can't hang our hat on anything. But by faith in Jesus Christ, I don't have to go to Mecca Mountain today. I don't have to pray a certain way. But just as I am, in that stretching part, Jesus goes to Simon Peter and he says, Don't be afraid, Simon. I will make you fishers of men. Don't be afraid. And I think the hard part and the stretching part, how many have been really afraid when you've been getting stretched? I mean, there's been times, even in this past year, where I was extremely afraid. But you know the cool thing is? God wasn't. God's not afraid. God's not concerned in the sense that we think He needs to be concerned. God knows full well the end from the beginning, and He knows and He fearfully, wonderfully made each and every one of us. I love this. I want you to think about these things with the stretching parts coming on and a sea of doubt comes over you and you don't believe God's going to do this miracle and you don't believe it's going to happen and, and, you, and you start looking at people around you and you start looking for all those signs and this and that and the other. There's some things that I want us to know. We think that, well, what miracles has God done for me this last year? Well, I want you to think about it this way. What miracles God's done for you that you haven't even seen? John 21, 25, let's turn there real quick. I love this verse of Scripture, and it's applicable in our own lives. When we talk about Jesus, we're not talking about the Jesus 2,000 plus years ago. We're talking about the Jesus here and now. He's the same Jesus. When you read the stories of the demon-possessed man being delivered, and when you see the blind man, this is the Jesus that we serve and know today. John 21, 25. Jesus also did many other things. If they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the book that would be written. Wow. You think about the very power of what Jesus did in those three and a half years, and you know what? When I get to heaven, one of the things we all got questions we want to ask, right? We think that we, you know, it's just funny. We're like, I'm going to ask God this. I'm like, You'll probably have it figured out the moment you die. But, uh, but one of the things that I wanted to ask him was, what miracles did you do? Because we know the, the loaves and the fish, that was cool, right? The, the water and the wine, that was cool. I, I, I love the one where the lady with the issue of blood pulls on just a little tug of his garment and she's healed. I love that. I mean, all these things, these miracles that he did that were verifiable and things that were like, bam, wow. But then... John goes on to say that he did many other things. That if we were to write them all down, all the books in the world can contain it. We live in an information age, don't we? We think we know everything. You know, in our house, we just, we just yell, Hey, Alexa, what is da da And Alexa just tells us everything. Alexa is our personal assistant. we got Siri. You've got Google. You ask Google for everything. We've probably, somebody's used Google in here at least four times this morning already. Google is amazing. But all that information and all the books and all the knowledge 
the world couldn't even contain what he did. I want this to be a remembrance for you. When you get into that place of, and we're, I'm never like this and you're never like this. God bless you again. It's all horrible. All these bills and all this stuff. Stupid life tripping over death. When you get there, you just remember the Jesus who did things behind the scenes that you didn't know about. Covering you and taking care of you. By the way, when you got here this morning and you had that crazy breath in your lungs and that car swerved in front of you and you almost hit him, that was one of those moments that wasn't recorded that you just didn't chalk up as a very big deal. But your life is saved. You think about all the angels in the background that you don't see that are taking care of things in your life. The Bible, I love one of my favorite verses of scriptures. I pray over the kids as I thank you, God, that you have given your angels as charge over us. Miracles happening that I will never see. Battles taking place that are fought on my family's behalf that I will never be cognizant or aware of. And we are arrogant to say to God, God, when are you going to do this for me? He's blanketed you with blessings and grace today. Can you just say amen? Ecclesiastes 11.5. Today is Bible B Day. I love what Jesus does. What God does. I was out working again. Sorry, I had to talk about my outside again. Working planting tulips for next spring yesterday. I'm hearing geese go over, birds flying by, activity. God is everywhere in His creation. God is doing all things. It's so beautiful. And I thought of this verse, and it says this. And Ecclesiastes 11.5, maybe put this as a promise when you get into a place where you can't explain what's going on in life, and you're being stretched. Just as you cannot understand the path of the wind, or the mystery of a tiny baby growing in its mother's womb, so you cannot understand the activity of God who does all things? Folks, we will never understand God. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And when God does some things, I love it. He says, just that we won't understand the wind or how bones are formed in a mother's womb, just that we will never understand the mystery of God and what He does. Folks, I want to tell you in your stretching part, there is a mystery going on in your life. God is unveiling Himself and He is stretching you to new levels. But get out of this pansy kind of simple Christianity we've created in a box and get into a place of saying, God, I want to go out to the deeper waters. I want you to make me something that I'm not already. God is doing things in you. God is doing things around you. And by the way, He is not done doing miracles. He has only just begun in your life. That's what I think what's cool about God. You said, man, I had that cool miracle happen ten years ago. And God's saying, huh, don't even remember the former things. Forget about that stuff. That, you're talking about that still? I have got some crazy good stuff for you. Awesome stuff. He's not done doing miracles in your life. I don't care what your age is or where you're at. He's not done with miracles. And by the way, he's not done, on, done with miracles based on whether you obeyed him properly this week or not. God wants to bless you. Well, thank God I deserve a miracle. Now, you never deserved a miracle. You never deserved one in the first place. Why do you think now you deserve a miracle? You never had it. And that's why we get into this Christmas festive season? Oh, Christmas has gotten so commercial. Man, you need to get more commercial. You need to open your wallet up and bless some people around you. You are so stuck on yourself. Go plant something. Go do something. Bless someone. You are blessed to be a blessing. We never complain about anyone if someone gives you a gift. If someone gives you a gift today, now you might be kind of feeling like that. No, 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 please don't. We all go with that. Oh, no, please. No, no, no. And you go to that lesson, and you try to bless them. Like, uh, just take the dumb gift. <laughs> no, 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 no. 
love you. You know why Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, wants to bless you so much? Bless me. Do you know why? He loves me. He loves you, John. He loves you. Not based on your merit. You might remember some miracles you saw, but I want to tell you God's doing some miracles that you haven't seen. Some miracles also that we don't think about is maybe you were praying, anybody ever prayed for something and you realized down the road, thank God you didn't answer that prayer, Lord? Early on in ministry, when I was getting into ministry and trying to figure out the pastoring and stuff, I was frustrated. I had all these prayers, Lord, help me get this place. And I was so thankful I didn't get that prayer answered. <laughs> Steve, you don't even know what you're asking for. See, the place in your, in your life right now when you're getting stretched, you're in the woods. You can't see the trees from the forest. You don't even have the right way of thinking right now about it because you just think it's the end of the world all the time. You're not in the right place. And I'm not saying that to, to mock you or any disrespect you. What I'm saying is when, when you're in the middle of it, the, the, the lids come off and you're just a big steaming melting pot. And God isn't, though. And God is carefully placing you in situations and caring for you. And he says, listen, I hear your heart when you're trying to say, Steve, I know that you want to be in ministry this weekend, but, but not yet. And this isn't the place for you. And I thank God Almighty that he didn't answer that prayer for me many years ago. It might have just ruined my house. Some of our prayers, God says, I'm hearing it and I'm listening to you. But trust me, I've got different angles that I'm going. Anybody ever prayed for relationships or whatever and God kept you safe from some people in your life? How many of you know you need to be kept safe from some people? Maybe someone was praying for you with that person you were with and God, you were saying, God, close this up, wrap this up, take care of this, package it up and get it out of there. And God, in a miraculous way, does something, moves someone on does this, and all of a sudden you're free, not because of what you did, but because of what God did. I want you to understand about something in your experience with God, and when you're going deep with Him, and going into the deeper place, He takes you out into the deep. I've never been out this deep before. John Piper writes, God does not exist for our sake, or are enjoying biblical stories. Biblical stories exist for the sake of our enjoying God. So we have an opposite. And it's a beautiful thing. God doesn't exist for our sake of enjoying biblical stories. Biblical stories exist for the sake of our enjoying God. God is everything. God is all things. He's not a byproduct. Folks, this is a hard place to be. Is to learn to do what He is doing. When you're getting stretched... I want you to understand that God is not just sitting around doing nothing. I love, remember Elijah and the prophets of Baal and all the prophets and their, their heathen religions. They were cutting themselves and doing all sorts of stuff. And Elijah, I love him. I would have been like that. I would have done that joker stuff. I would have been like, dude, maybe they're asleep. I mean, you just never know. Maybe your gods are sleeping. And Elijah... To understand the power of God, he said, everyone bring me big pots of water. We're going to dump it on this fire. Because God doesn't need dry wood to start a fire. Can I get an amen? You in your life right now with God at work, you might have wet wood, you might have bad wood, you might have all sorts of stuff going on. God doesn't need the wood to be perfect to start the fire. God doesn't need your circumstances perfect to start the fire. My Father is always working, Jesus said. My Father's always working. He never sleeps and He never slumbers. I love what the word working means. It means doing, to work, to be busy, accomplish something, carry on a trade, produce things, be engaged in, toil, perform, do business. Ergadzum ahi, that was, sorry Tess, is the Greek word is the opposite of idleness, laziness, and inactivity. 
God is not idle and he is not lazy. And some of us, our perceptions, even in the way we pray, in the way we walk, in the way we do things, our perception is of God who is just sitting up there doing nothing. We kind of think in some of the religions what they've actually taught is they've taught that there's a teaching out there where God has just kind of wound the world up, thrown it out into space, and he just sits in the background and lets us take care of the rest. God is intricately involved in the affairs of man, and don't you ever forget it. God brings one man up and he takes another man down. God moves you here and he puts you there, but it's all a part of God's plan. God is very busy. The assumption of spirituality, one writer says, is that always God is doing something before I know it. So the task is to discover it and participate and take delight in it. Folks, I want you to know this today, that God has been really busy with the stuff in your life. You and I are going to have to get to the point where we go, okay, the assumption isn't, hey, God, where are you getting involved with this? I've got to say, God, what are you doing? And now I want to go after you. I want to follow after you. I want to take out after those things. I am responsible, by the way, for paying attention to the Word of God right here in this location. The assumption of spirituality is that always God is doing something before I know it. So the task is not to get God to do something I think that needs to be done but to become aware of what God is doing so that I can respond to it, participate in it, and take delight in it. Oh, don't you ever forget, by the way, in your stretching, that God is a completing God. He finishes what he starts. Number two, stay with him. And that stretching starts to happen in doubt. You know, I think of the story that Jesus gave the parable of the seeds that fell onto rocky soil. And the birds came in. You remember that story? All those different phases, and then one got planted well. And I think this is the part for many believers where you see Christians kind of go off willy-nilly world. They don't come back to church. They're not involved with things. They're just doing things their own way. They, they don't allow the opportunity to stay with God when times are boring. How many know sometimes life can be boring? You know, you want to, I'm an emotional person. I'm... I'm more sanguine or whatever they call them. You know, I'm, I'm more of a type A, I, all those kind of things. But sometimes when things aren't ramped up, I start to question, okay, is this good? Is what's happening? And these are the parts where you say we've got to stay with him. John Eldridge writes, that was Jesus' battle in the wilderness. As Satan tried this way and that to get him to surrender to his integrity. You don't need to trust God to meet your needs. Make these stones become bread. Prove God cares for you. Throw yourself off this building. You don't need to go the way of the cross. Worship me and I'll give you the kingdoms of the world. Jesus will not give in. Folks, I want to tell you today in your commitment with Christ, yield to no one. Yield to no one or no thing. Yield to no one. You'll be tested but stay with him. John Eldridge writes, defend yourself. And this is how we develop a resolute heart. We make no agreements with whatsoever the temptation or the accusation is. Has anybody had an accusement come your way or you've been accused of something and you kind of start to receive it, you kind of start to believe the accusation that's come at you? Start to talk that way. Maybe the temptations come your way. Maybe that thought's entered in and you kind of succumb to it. I love what John Eldred says. He says, defend yourself. When you're in the staying mode right now, step by step, line upon line, precept upon precept. I love what the psalmist tells us, to guard your heart. It is so important for all of us, the person who looks, by the way, for quick results and the seed planting of well-doing will be disappointed. If I want potatoes for dinner tomorrow night, it will do me little good to go out and plant potatoes in my garden tonight. There are long stretches of darkness an invisible silence that separate planting and reaping. During the stretches of waiting, there is cultivating and weeding and nurturing and planting still other seeds. By the way, don't quit. Turn to someone and say, don't you ever quit. I was watching a special by Steve Young about Steve Young, his great quarterback used to play for the 49ers. And he was talking, he was at BYU, and he wanted to be a starting quarterback. And he was going after things, and he felt like the coaches weren't giving him the playing time he deserved. He was better than this. And so in a moment of frustration, Steve Young called his dad. And I love what his dad said. Steve Young says, man, they're just doing this wrong, and 
man, whatever he said in that moment. But his dad said to him, he said, Steve, you can quit, but you can't come home. Steve paused for a minute. He said, quitters don't live at my house. And I love that. I don't have quitters at my house. And Steve said, if my dad would have given me another response like, it's okay, buddy, I understand. Come back home, your family loves you. We love you, just let's all snuggle around the campfire. It's okay, God's got another plan for your life, son. Steve said, if he would have given me something else, I probably would have come home. But my dad told me, quitters don't live in my house. Folks, I want to tell you today, in our Christian faith, we give up too easy. We get in a struggle. We have a problem happen. We get things going that we don't like how it is. And God's saying, stay with me. This rubs us wrong. This does it wrong. And so we completely bow out. And God's declaring you, don't quit. Now is not the time to quit. Now is the time for you to get after things and go after things. You are better than this. And I love kind of in the heart of what Steve Young's dad was saying. He was saying, son, you are better than being a quitter. Goes on to be one of the best quarterbacks ever in NFL history. Amen. By the way, you may feel like quitting. How many have felt like quitting a thousand times? Amen. A thousand times a week. <laughs> you may feel like quitting a thousand times. So what? Does it make you any less of a person? Keep going. Turn somewhere and say, keep going. I love what Eugene Peterson writes. Prayer is not conditioned and authenticated by my feelings. Nothing is more devastating to prayer than when I begin to evaluate prayer by my feelings and think that in order to pray I have to have a certain sense, a certain spiritual attentiveness, or peace, or on the other side, anguish. I learn over and over again, prayer will go on whether I feel like it or not, even if I sleep through the whole prayer meeting. Folks, let me tell you something, and we think, you know, all depends upon me. Like, I'm so important. Paul says, don't think of yourself that highly. (laughs) Folks, prayer and everything that goes on in life will go on without you if you just want to quit. The wheels will keep turning. But I want you to know that you are very vitally important to the solutions and everything that's going on around this world. We need you. But let me tell you something. What you do is not contingent on how you feel today. Man, if I based all of my messages and all of the ministry and everything that I did based on how I feel about something or someone, holy moly, we wouldn't get anything done here at Turning Point. Can you imagine if you based your spiritual expressions and what you do on how you felt on a given day? Don't quit. Pray anyways. I just don't feel like coming to church today. Oh, it's been a long week. You need church more than all the other junk you've done. You're going to keep feeling that way. When you've done all you've done to stand, folks, I hate it. Write this down, 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Don't turn there, but I'm going to give you some promises for your standing self right now. Standing's a hard thing. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says, Be on guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Joshua 1, 9. Have I not commanded you to be strong? Ephesians 6, 10. Be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Joshua 1.9 and Ephesians 6.10. I love what C.S. Lewis writes. Sandra, if you want to come up here and start playing. C.S. Lewis wrote this. Faith is the fine art of holding on to things in spite of your changing moods and circumstances. Faith is the fine art of holding on to things in spite of your changing moods and circumstances. Let me give you a little organic example here that happened earlier with that word for Brooke today. I'm sitting there going, well, 
Sometimes when I get a word from the Lord, there's this like this really powerful moment and God gives me a little chill going up my spine or whatever it is. I'm not joking. There'll be something that I can second it with my emotion, right? Today it wasn't that way. And as I was struggling through it, I was saying, well, Lord, is this from you or is it not? How many have been there before? Faith is the fine art of holding on to things in spite of your changing mood and circumstances. Folks, my mood can swing all over the map in a given week. Your mood, your circumstance can change. Folks, keep holding on. Why don't we close our eyes for a moment? I'm going to stop here. We're not going to get into solve today. We're going to solve problems next week. Today I want you to know that you might be being stretched. And you might be in a situation where you just want to just run from God. Or maybe you have been running from God. I want you to know today that God's calling you out to a deeper place of faith that doesn't rely upon your circumstances or your moods, doesn't rely upon how you feel or what you want to do and what you don't want to do. Your Christian faith has got much more deeper value than you even know existed. And today you say, maybe I have been running from God I've been doing my thing. I've been creating my cute little religious care package of what I think is important and what I don't think is important. I want you to throw that very identity that you've created out the window. And all your little religious things and your rhythms that you've created, I want you to throw them into the trash. And allow a fresh palette to be written on your heart so that God can give you a heart of flesh and remove the heart of stone. Today you say, man, I'm running back to God. And God is calling me out to deeper waters, deeper than what I've known. I've tried to keep it all balanced and put together. But for fear of sinking out there, I've never gone away from the shore. For all the worries and all the fears and all the control, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You can follow after Christ today and he will be there. Because he's calling you. Today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if this today has been for you, and you say, you know what? I'm allowing God to stretch me on his terms, not on my terms. I'm getting out of my little comfortable prayers. And I'm getting into a place of allowing God to do something unique and great in me. I'm going to stay put. I'm going to stay in his presence. Today, if that's you, would you raise your hand? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's all pray this together. Dear Jesus, I thank you for coming on my boat and taking it over. God, thank you that you're not going to leave me on the shore. But you're going to take me out and you're going to show me great things that I haven't seen before. Help me to learn of you deeper than religious tradition and religious truths. But to know you. I surrender my heart to you. Make my heart of stone a heart of flesh. In Jesus' name, amen. Folks, I love you a bunch. And God is at work in our lives and in our hearts. And uh, God's up to something. And this next week we're going to be talking about responding to God and allow God to kind of Maybe you just need to sit there for a minute this weekend and just let God... uh,